We're going to be continuing our sermon series in the book of Mark today. This is Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's begin with a word of prayer this evening. God, we ask that you would illuminate our understanding, that you would be present in this place and that we would hear from you. God, help me to get out of the way, help the commentaries to get out of the way, help Greek and Hebrew to get out of the way and help us to hear from you through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, help us to leave here changed because of you. We are thankful for your son Jesus, for the life that we have that's through his death and his resurrection. And we ask that we would be changed and transformed because of it each and every day. We ask these things humbly in your son's name. Amen. So I know that my experience is a bit different. I know that when I grew up, it was um, a very sheltered environment. It was, uh, it was a situation where I was going to church and I was going to the Christian school and I was kind of in that routine. When I was growing up, we used to go to Sunday school class and there was a lady there who was um, helping to facilitate the Sunday school class. Her name was Miss Pat. For some of you that are very churched, you have your own Miss Pat. Whenever you would go there to this room that smelled of urine and mildew and pretzels, she would be there old and in charge. Um, she was old when I was a kid and she remains old to this, to this day. I remember though that she would bring the Bible to life. She would um, have costumes that she would be wearing when we would show up each week and she'd also had this box of costumes that she would allow us to, to wear. I know I've told this story a hundred times probably, but there was also this one very special 
uh, week. It was Palm Sunday, and she had this donkey that was covered in carpet, and it was on wheels, people. It was on wheels. And one lucky kid would get to ride the donkey, and everyone else would kind of push them around, and it was great. And we would all sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. But that's kind of sacrilegious. But it was still strange and weird, and we kind of entered into the story because Miss Pat was old and crazy and just really wanted us to get a sense of excitement. No one questioned Miss Pat. No one asked those deep theological questions at that stage, myself included. It was great because you just kind of go there and you eat pretzels and you hang out with your friends and you hear these Bible stories and you just, you just take them for what they are. As my life kind of uh, continued, I don't know what happened, but I began to ask more and more questions. I began to read the Bible in a different way and, and see stories like the ones that we're looking at tonight about Jesus taking five loaves and two fish. And then I began to ask questions like, what, how, when, why, where? It doesn't seem to make sense. In the history of biblical interpretation, there was also this progression from people taking the Bible at face value and just accepting what it says at that time um, hearing the stories of the Exodus where two million Israelites leave Egypt and they cross the Red Sea and they're victorious and, and they just kind of read these stories and, and took them for what they were. It wasn't until the Enlightenment happened when people started using reason and rationality and asking big questions about how and when and why and where, which led some people to begin to look at these stories and say, uh, I'm not so sure about this. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is one where people began to see Jesus didn't supernaturally transform the loaves and the fish into more loaves and more fish. What Jesus did was he created an example for people to follow. So Jesus takes these pieces of bread, breaks them, blesses them, passes them out, and then somebody over there says, well, I've got some bread too, I'll share that. And the person over there says, well, I've got some fish too, I'll share that. And by the end of the time, 5,000 people are fed and there's all these basketfuls of, of leftovers. Now, I want to, to stand here and, and not claim that that's the, the right way of reading the text. I'm very comfortable saying that Jesus did these miracles and allowed these things to happen, but I know for many of you in the room, perhaps it's stories like these that make your, your imaginations go crazy and the red flags to go up to say, see, this is why I can't buy in to what you guys are talking about because that doesn't seem to be true. It doesn't seem like these things actually happened in real life. There's people on the other side where these stories are so old, you've heard them since you were hanging out with Miss Pat in the, in the Sunday school room and you're riding around on a carpet-covered donkey that they have lost all of their mystery and all of, all of their power altogether. Tonight, I don't necessarily want to look at these stories through the lens of did it happen or did it not happen. I want to look at this story with you for a moment and actually just begin to... Um, to consider the theology of this story itself, to begin to consider what's going on in this text that we can actually learn or gain in our perspective about who Jesus is. It's my hope that when we see these things as they are, that we will begin to not concentrate so much on the questions that might hold us back, but we begin to see God in a new way, in a big and powerful way, in a way where the provisions that he has for his people might be true of us today and now in this place. 
For many of us, we don't necessarily hear these stories about food and think about um, a need that people actually had to be fed. For people in an ancient context, this idea that you needed rain in order to have food is a completely foreign concept. For us, if we need food, we just need to scrape our car seats for a few bucks and go to Walmart and get food. But for them, it was, it was life and death. And these people, what's happening in this story is they're leaving everything behind to go and follow Jesus. Check this out. In verse 30, it says, the apostles returned and met with Jesus and told him all the things that they had done. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So he said to them, let's go off by ourselves to some place where we will be alone and you can rest for a while. So they started out on a boat and they go to this place to have rest. This is important because I, th I think in my own life at least, I want to do at times what I want to do and I don't want anyone to mess it up. So Jesus takes his disciples and they get on this boat and they start cruising for the other side so that they can be alone and that they can rest and they can recuperate and they can have this time and this moment together and just be ready for ministry. The backstory here is Jesus has been rejected in his own hometown. He has sent his disciples out in groups of two to go minister to the people and they've had success. These are the things that they're telling them. These are the things that they're coming back saying, we cast out the demons and we did this and we did that and we taught these things and it was great because you gave us power to do that. And Jesus is now saying we need to recharge our batteries and kind of go somewhere else and, and have time together. The bad news is people, once they hear about this, they see them leave and they know at once where they, they were going. So they went from the towns and ran by land and arrived at the place ahead of Jesus. So Jesus is trying to escape. The people see this happening and they take off in a dead sprint and they run around the lake and they get to wherever he's going and they say, surprise, here we are. Teach us, teach us, teach us, teach us, teach us. Give, 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 give. I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. You get the point? These people have left everything to go find Jesus because they're so desperate for what he has to offer. The things that Jesus is bringing to bear is completely and utterly radical. The things that he's offering these people is, um, is hope, it's forgiveness, it's the thing, the very things that they needed. And at that time, they weren't even concerned about the very food that would sustain them. They just knew that they had to drop everything and go where Jesus was. There's a backstory to what's happening here. I love how when Jesus sees this taking place, it says when Jesus got out of the boat, he saw this large crowd and his heart was filled with pity for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This idea is prevalent throughout the Old Testament where um, it was the case that Israel, if they didn't have a leader and they didn't have a king, if they didn't have a Messiah, if they didn't have this person, they would be like sheep without a shepherd. And what Mark is doing, he's very subtly putting this in there to say Jesus is the good shepherd who is going to meet these people's needs in ways that they don't even realize. What's interesting here too is the first thing that Jesus does to meet that need is he begins to teach them. So Jesus, in this moment, he's had this plan that's been wrecked by the folks that just want to be where he is to receive the things that he has to give them. He has to put his plan and his agenda on the back burner. I can just hear the disciples now grumbling and complaining. Are you kidding me? These people outran a boat? They outran a boat? And now they're here and they just want stuff? What's going on? To which Jesus sees them as moved with compassion and says and sets the example that I will meet their needs first by teaching them many things. What's interesting about this miracle is 
this idea, again, that food is prevalent and food is necessary, and it's also picking up on a lot of Old Testament themes. There's this prayer here on the, on the screen, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu, Melech HaOlam, HaMotzi Lachem Min HaAretz. Blessed are you, the Lord our God, sovereign of all the universe, the one who brings out bread from the earth. This is a prayer that traditionally opens a Jewish Shabbat meal. This is a piece of theology that has informed a people for thousands of years where God is the one that sustains by giving bread from the earth. When Jesus does this miracle, it's not a party trick. It's not this cool thing that he does to kind of show who he is. This is, this is a, a Jesus actually stepping into this line of Old Testament teaching and thinking. Last week we mentioned a guy named Elijah, and Elijah was one who did lots of great miracles. There's a story in 1 Kings chapter 17 where Elijah shows up to the widow at Zarephath who has no food left. And Elijah goes and says, hey, can you get me some water? Oh, and get me some bread too, to which the woman says, I can't do that. I've prepared my son and I's last meal I've only got enough for me and him, and we're just gonna bake it up, and we're gonna eat it, and then we're gonna die. And Elijah says to her, this is what the Lord says. If you bake me some bread, your jar will never empty. There's this theme in the Old Testament where God is providing for the needs of his people, not just in a spiritual sense, but also in a very physical, tangible, real-life sense where the needs of these folks are being met in ways that actually provide them with sustenance that they need. There's another text, I believe it's in 2 Kings chapter four, where this is now Elisha, and someone comes up to him to give him bread. It's the first fruits of this offering, and he says, feed the people out there. There's 100 people that show up, and this guy's got 20 pieces of bread, to which he says, how am I supposed to feed 100 people with 20 loaves of bread? You ever seen college guys and bread? It goes like this. We had a a dinner and we had the McKinney's over a couple years ago, Kate and I did, and she baked up these sweet potato biscuits. Sweet potato biscuits and butter and honey and it was just beautiful. And I think Bones ate about eight of them. Like we got nothing. So like college guys, these people that are showing up, 20 pieces of, 20 loaves of bread is not gonna go too far to feed 100 people. But Elisha shows up in this moment and says, thus says the Lord, if we give this out, it will be okay. And there was leftovers from this increase of bread. Jesus, in this moment in the book of Mark, is stepping into that where God is the one who is providing for the needs of the people. Jesus is teaching them things and instructing them, showing them evidence of the kingdom. And he's also providing for their very lives in a way that is necessary. This is the disciples talking. It says, when it's getting late, his disciples came to him and said, it's already very late. This is a lonely place. This is a deserted place. This is a wilderness place. Send the people away and let them go to the nearby farms and villages in order to buy themselves something to eat. This is a moment where the disciples actually step up to the plate and say, hey, we got all these people here and we need to do something for them. They've got to go eat. They're going to pass out, who knows, but this, this is a moment where we need to kind of wrap it up, say amen, and then send these people out to go get some food. Jesus responds with something that commentators have have harped on here. He said, you give them something to eat. It wasn't enough for the disciples to recognize that something needed to happen. 
the very act of asking Jesus to let them go was diminishing his power and it was also diminishing the things that they had just done. Remember, they had been sent out two by two to do ministry, casting out demons, healing people, and just um, teaching the masses. They have seemingly forgotten about Jesus' power and their power through Jesus by saying, send them away. Jesus, though, calls them back and says, do something about it. They respond in a way that's very similar to me. Uh, it seems a little bit a uh, hint of sarcasm here where they say, what? What do you want us, how are we supposed to do that? It's gonna be half a year's wages. Can we go pay for all these people's bread? I don't think that that's even possible. And Jesus responds to them and tells them to go into the crowd and to find whatever they can. They find five loaves and two fish. This is where Mark deviates from other stories. This is where Mark deviates from my Miss Pat experience as a kid where we meet this little child in the crowd that just kind of shows up and gives his five loaves and his two fish. Mark doesn't include that. He just sends the people out and they come back with five loaves and two fish. And this is what Jesus does with it. Jesus told his disciples to make all the people to divide into groups and to sit down on the green grass. This is important because this note of the fact that where they are has green grass, it limits the time in which this could actually take place. There's only a handful of months within the Israel's geography uh, when this would be happening. This was during the Passover time. This was during the time when people were celebrating God, delivering them from oppression and delivering them uh, from slavery and delivering them from their forced labor. This was a time when people were remembering God doing great things and they've gathered here to hear Jesus because they're potentially at their, at their very last opportunity, at their wit's end, leaving everything and then outrunning the boat to get where he is. And Jesus does something that hints even more to this context. He sits people down and then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish he looked up to heaven and gave thanks to God. He broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to distribute them to the people. This idea of taking and breaking and blessing is a theme that continues on in the book and it culminates in Mark chapter 14 where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. You know how this story goes. Jesus was eating with his friends and he took bread he blessed it, and he broke it, saying, this is my body that's broken for you. Whenever you're together and you're eating this bread, remember me. The same meal, he took the cup, and he blessed the cup, and he passed it amongst his friends, saying, this cup is the blood of the new covenant that's shed for you. Whenever you're together and you're eating this bread and you're drinking this cup, remember me. Adonai Eloheinu. This prayer, this, this response to the one who brings out bread from the earth, hamotzi lachem min haaretz, the one who sustains, the one who supports, the one who provides in your spiritual needs, the one who teaches and instructs and ministers to you when you have run from wherever you are just to be in his presence, but the one who also supplies the needs that you have to live. There's this duality within the, this, this scripture here where it's not just Jesus doing a party trick. It's not just Jesus doing a miracle. The question should not be, did it happen or did it not happen? The question should be, 
what is this demonstrating to be true about Christ? It seems to me here in this story, there's resonances, again, of an invitation that remains to us today to understand that God is still supporting, that God is still providing, that God is still present. In this room, there's 80 or so people, and I know that some of you are probably not in a good place. You hear this story and say, that's nice, Pastor, but God doesn't seem to be providing for me. God doesn't seem to be providing for the Syrian refugees who are being killed. God's not uh, present in our lives. Where is he? He's left us here just to, to experience suffering and emotional turmoil. In this story, our questions are not answered, but we are provided with an image of a loaf of bread that is broken and blessed and an invitation for us to come and eat, an invitation for us to have our lives changed because of what Christ has done. Back to Miss Pat. When I was a kid, as I told you, I just kind of accepted things, and for the longest time, this moment for me was routine. I just showed up because that's what I did. It, the week felt really weird for me when I wasn't in church. My parents didn't let me stay home much, but when they did, it just seemed like something was off because it was such a routine for me, and none of this really clicked, and this Jesus guy wasn't necessarily something that I cared about or thought much about during the course of the week. What I wanted to think about was girls and sports. And it wasn't for me until a group of sophomores, when I was a senior, basically provided an image of something that was different and something that was good and something that was compelling. At the time, I wasn't like addicted to heroin. I wasn't, I wasn't in the gutter somewhere. I was just a normal kid with normal problems. But seeing them live this out where they began to see Jesus as the one who could meet their needs and the one who brought a real, tangible, sustainable joy to their lives, it absolutely changed me. And I know for a lot of you in this room, whether you're young life leaders, or you're college students, you have that moment and you have those stories of those people in your life that have introduced you to Jesus. In this room on most weeks, what we try to do is to dig into the depths of the scripture and to bring something new to the table. We don't necessarily um, culminate our time together with an altar call. But today I want you to hear this invitation. I want you to hear it clearly and I want you to hear it in a way that might make sense for where you are in your life. Christ has not abandoned you. Christ has not left you high and dry even when it seems as though you're alone, even though when it seems you are in the wilderness, when you are in the lonely place and you do not want to be there. Christ is present with you through it. It opens up all sorts of questions for the thinking people, the same folks that ask, did this really happen, or the same people that ask, well, how is that fair, or why is God not doing anything to stop this suffering that I'm going through right now? It's as if we have this image of God as the one who just kind of hangs out there and, and dictates what happens to us and then kind of sits back and, and laughs or sits back and, and doesn't step in. And I think that we fail to see the compassionate 
good shepherd who sees us without a source of life and a source of hope. And we fail to see Jesus as the one who wants to enter into that story and to guide us. I hope that whatever it is that you're going through, wherever you are in this moment, whatever battles you are struggling through, whatever internal wrestlings you have on a daily basis, they could be huge questions, they could be small questions, but I hope that what you hear is an offer from Jesus who takes the bread and breaks it and says, this is my body that's broken for you that you hear Jesus take the cup and pass it around saying, this is the blood of the new covenant that's shed for you whenever you're together and you're eating this bread and you're drinking from this cup. Remember me. I hope that today can be a moment in your story where you plant a flag and you begin to live a life that emulates Jesus because that is a life worth living. I hope that this could be the day where you begin to see Jesus as the one who is the good shepherd and the one who provides for you and the one who brings about sustenance and hope and goodness. I hope that as we think about these stories, they're not just the ones that we used to learn about in Sunday school, but they're the ones that inform our daily lives. Jesus as the good shepherd who sees us and wants to lead us into freedom and into life and into goodness together.